You're listening to The Hungry Soul with Rachel Foy, covering all topics from spirituality, mindset work, beliefs, relationships, food, body image, business, money, self-expression, and more, helping you become a soul-fed woman. Hello there, gorgeous, and welcome to another episode of The Hungry Soul Podcast with me, Rachel Foy. Today, we have got episode 58, and we've got another gorgeous guest on the show to share her knowledge and her wisdom and her experience about living a bigger life. So before I introduce to you our next guest, I just want to have a moment of being a little bit soppy and um, yeah, just sort of sharing my gratitude for for you guys out there in the community, for the people that have supported the podcast, for all the amazing guests who always come on and share their amazing knowledge and wisdom with all of us and I just want to say thank you because sometimes we don't fully appreciate what goes on in the background of actually getting these episodes out and you know trying to figure out time zones and trying to organize slots that work for everybody and sometimes you know my guests are so accommodating and they well shuffle things around as I do sometimes as well so I just want to say thank you for you the listener for always listening to these episodes and yeah giving me a reason sometimes to just keep going even when tech fails even when time zones mess up and even when sometimes things don't go according to plan so thank you. Right, so let me introduce to you today's guest. It is the lovely Julie Creffield and another moment of gratitude. I'm so grateful for these amazing women who, they are actually my friends, you know, they're not just people that I stumble across and go, oh, come on to the podcast and let me interview you. Over the the kind of the months that we get to know one another, we do become yeah, really good friends with each other. And I think that's so important that we can have that connection with other women who get it. Because sometimes doing this work, being an entrepreneur, putting myself out there, sometimes in a way that I don't always want to, it's just nice to have other people that have kind of got my back and they understand and they get it. So Julie's one of those women. And I invited Julie on to to really sort of share her experience with her own journey of becoming more soul-fed and more connected to her truth. And we speak quite, or she speaks quite openly about the journey that she's had so far. Now, um, Julie's the founder and CEO of the Fat Girls Guide to Running, so we speak a little bit about that, but we also speak about the the way that her journey is now moving her more into like life coaching um, and actually helping other women to start living a bigger life. Um, Julie is, she's an author as well, she's an amazing motivational speaker, and I'm just delighted that we managed to work this out with her being super busy, with me being super busy, and also juggling children in between. So without further ado, here is the gorgeous Julie Creffield here on the Hungry Soul podcast. Right then everyone, so she's here, it's the lovely Julie, good afternoon. Hi. How are you today? I'm all right, I've got really greasy hair and no makeup, but other than that I'm feeling we are keeping it real here on the hungry soul podcast so i don't expect anyone to show up with like full face and you know all dressed to impress because this is an authentic conversation we're going to start as we mean to go on so before we do for anybody who's not yet discovered you and your amazing work out there do you want to give yourself a quick introduction Oh, goodness, where do I start? So most people will know me um, from my work on Too Fat to Run, which is a kind of global fitness movement, which I founded 
about seven years ago. Um, so I, I started writing a blog called The Fat Girl's Guide to Running. And then a few years later, got made redundant and kind of, you know, turned it into a business, basically. And it kind of grew pretty big. And, um, you know, I've got lots of kind of TV appearances and kind of clients all over the world. And in many ways, the, the, the movement become bit bigger than the business, if that makes sense. Um, so it's, it's still ongoing. We get funding from Sport England to do kind of on the ground programs. And I've kind of got like a, I don't know, a 10 year plan for it to kind of take over the world, really. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, while that kind of, you know, building momentum, um, I'm also working as a life coach now. Um, because what I realized was a lot of the women that were coming to me for sports advice, actually it wasn't sports advice they needed or wanted they wanted somebody to listen to what they needed in life they wanted to ask questions about goal setting and relationships and all of this kind of other stuff which you know considering what they were paying for a kind of five week begin to run program there was no way i could do the life coaching stuff under that banner um, and actually a lot of the women, you know, my, my audience is pretty much kind of inactive, overweight, middle-aged women. That's, you know, kind of, you know, very ordinary, um, ordinary women. And I say that with, you know, the most amount of respect, but um, they're not kind of high flyers. They're not kind of business people necessarily. They're just kind of, you know, normal, normal folk. And um, a lot of them were looking at running as a way of doing something new, setting new kind of goals. And it was about them living a bigger life. And so that's what I've called the program. It's, you know, living a bigger life. I love it. Quick, quick introduction there. Just sums you up so perfectly. Cause I've known, for those of you that might not know, I've known Julie for a little while. We kind of bumped into each other in the online space as is often the way. <laughs> we were like, oh, there's a few sort of similarities between the work that we're doing, like a bit of an overlap. So just kind of backtracking because I always ask my guests this, it's like most of that get into this space of wanting to help people like we're often coming from that personal experience so what was your experience with running like where was the passion that initially started with with the running that you that you did like how did you get into it um I think you know I, I, I'm always I always say I'm a rubbish runner I am a rubbish runner I, although I've run marathons and ultra marathons and you know I've done loads of is I continue to be really crap at it you know I'm not fast I'm not strong I'm, I get injured um, but actually in the early days I was really lonely um, I didn't know anybody that ran uh, plus-size women were not recognized in the in the sports world at all so there were no blogs there were no podcasts there were no you know plus-size models on the front of magazines none of that existed and actually even kind of plus-size um fashion was only in its infancy so it felt like i was so alone there was nobody like me out there and all of these experiences were happening to me that either made me feel really great about myself or really bad about myself and yet there was nowhere for me to talk about what was going on so you know i'd go out and have a run and find people really encouraging or I'd go out and I'd get abuse or you know and I think the trigger point for me setting up the blog was that I came last place and when I got to the finish line the finish line wasn't there and they'd all packed up and gone home and that was the kind of trigger point for me because I was like initially I was really embarrassed and like a little bit angry and then I was like oh my god that's such a funny thing to happen um, and that's the kind of confidence to write a blog about it because I always look at things from a, from a humor point of view and I think if I find something funny somebody else will but there was always this kind of underlying 
campaigning aspect really about kind of how underrepresented plus size women were in the sports world mm. and how the sports world was actually tailored to not really support overweight women um so you know there were all these government initiatives you know and kind of headlines saying you know obesity is you know worse than you know ever and that we we, we need to get people moving yet the infrastructure and people's attitudes was actually preventing women from doing so so i think quite early on in the blogging days i've become quite an activist really and, and it become less about me and more about other women yeah and actually and this is kind of where you and i have that crossover sort of initially it was about body image and about that sort of supposedly feminist within both of us of like this isn't okay like sort of fat shaming and body shaming and obviously like you doing like the running and stuff so Am I right in assuming then that even though you started off being like um, a runner and like the, the running aspect, it actually became way more than that, didn't it? Like it was yeah. actually very little to do with running. Absolutely. I think I've always said running was just the kind of the avenue that I took because the thing that has always excited and interested me right from kind of before, before I even went away to university, it was always about, about how can how can I help other people to see what they have inside of them so that they can then improve their lives so you know before i even went off to uni and i was doing kind of you know a b-tech course in performing arts i do these kind of volunteer programs that were about young people on a housing estate um, who you know, initially would say you know i'd say to them what do you want to be when you grow up and they'd be like i don't know a hairdresser you know and then <laughs> a year later they were thinking you know, they were realizing they had these better skills and that could, they could go to college and that they had views on the world. So, you know, although I don't have any official life coaching qualifications, I've been coaching people my whole life since I was myself a teenager. Um, and that has been the thread all the way through my career. I've done so many different things like in jobs, but the, the, the thing is always about helping people see the best in themselves so they can then get themselves out of the crap that they're in, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm guessing a lot of your ladies, and we're not going to talk too much about the running because I'm really fascinated about like the life coaching aspect, because as you and I both know, particularly around how people feel and they think it's their weight and they think it's their body and they think they need to change who they are. It's not, it's, it's other stuff. But just kind of coming back to the running for a second. Do you, do you kind of like see the same can I call them struggles? So like women who are totally new to running and like they've come into the world of running and maybe there is a bit of an ulterior motive to begin with, as in they want to change their bodies. Yeah. Do you see like the same sort of struggles and problems like amongst most, most people without sort of wanting to taint everyone with the same brush? Um, I think at the crux of it, and you know, I do work predominantly with women. Um, so, you know, I'm only speaking from that perspective really, but I think most women don't feel like they're good enough mm. uh, and they feel like they need fixing so I think a lot of women come to me for the running coaching because they feel like running will help them lose weight losing weight will help fix themselves so I think that's the place they come to me at and then afterwards they realize that the, the losing weight is irrelevant the running has helped fix them anyway because actually what they needed was someone to believe in them they needed to be able to see themselves achieving goals they needed to you know to have new experiences to make new friends to get out of their houses more I mean some of it's real practical stuff you know I work yeah. with some women that are real kind of loners and real recluses and they find it hard to make real life 
kind of relationship. So then because I create a safe space with them online, they then get enough confidence to go to their local running club or their local park run. Um, so I see it as the running is kind of irrelevant. It could be volleyball, it could be um, knitting. <laughs> it kind of isn't really the thing, you know, it, it's basically around kind of creating safe spaces for people to kind of explore who they are and what they're about. Absolutely, and sort of giving people that, that permission to actually have time for themselves, because I know that's a big one for my audience, as I know it probably is for your audience as well, as in it's okay for me to have an hour to go and do a run yeah. and not have that sort of guilt around it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think guilt, guilt's often a topic, isn't it? That <laughs> comes up for so many of us, she says, putting her hand up. <laughs> okay, so kind of moving on then to the life coaching aspect, because I know that, again, from your journey and from what I know of your journey, and we've, we've had multiple conversations, you and I, but having that realization that actually the running is not really the thing and actually it's about helping women find their confidence believing in themselves setting goals realizing that they're they're good enough yeah. where did where did the life coaching aspect come in so again like what was the catalyst what was the trigger for you to go do you know what it's more than me helping someone get a personal best in a 5k run now uh, there's been lots i think there's been lots of moments where i realized that what I want to achieve in the world, I probably won't be able to achieve just in the running world because the running world is still very, it's a very frustrating place. So traditional athletics comes with, you know, a hundred years of history and, you know, you don't have to go back very far to find races where women were not even allowed to compete. I know. <laughs> so when it you look shocking. at that, it is shocking. When you look at that context and you look at the, the rich history that athletics has, you know, only a fortnight ago, a group of my women were told to, to leave a facility, a track facility, because they said, you know, you're not welcome here, leave, even though we'd paid for the hire of the space. But because the space was traditionally associated with one running club, they thought that they had the monopoly on it and were very rude to a group of my women. Wow. Um, which I find fascinating because I don't know why six overweight women are that much of a threat to somebody that's been in the running world for 20 or 30 years and yeah. doesn't have barriers that my women do to sport. So I'm always like, what is that about? Um, mm. I think there's been lots of moments where I've met my women in real life because obviously a lot of my programs or most of my programs are virtual programs. Um, and occasionally at races, I'll, we do meetups and we occasionally do training days. And I think it's only when I meet women in real life that I understand the complexities of the different types of women that I'm working with and how valuable what I've created is in terms of those connections. And I've been thinking a lot recently about how disconnected we feel as women. And mm. even if have got a wonderful family and a good network of friends, I think there's a lot of kind of a sense of, I must be the only person feeling like this. So when you can create a space where people go, oh my God, this happened, it's so stupid. And you get 25 women going, oh my God, I feel like that as well, over something yeah. really small. You yeah. realize you're not this freak. We're all suffering from the same insecurities. And there's something really refreshing about that. Um, and it helps you to be yourself you know, if you can be yourself online, which I think a lot of people can, you can then transfer those skills to kind of offline. And um, so a lot of the work I do with women is around kind of being more visible um, offline 
because you know women can be visible in online and and get involved in conversations but then they can't have the same conversations with their friends or with their loved ones you know around kind of getting what they want and voicing their opinions yeah it's kind of stepping into that place of um kind of vulnerability isn't it like we all again i'm sort of generalizing now but we all do often have an issue with being vulnerable and yeah. reaching out for help or saying to someone i can't do this anymore or you know whatever it might be and i think that that space like you said that you've created for women it's so needed like you know the i set it up because i needed it like from a real selfish point of view i set up yeah. the blog I wanted to share my views. I set up the clubhouse, which is our online running club, because I didn't feel I could join a traditional running club. I did a lot of it from identifying what I needed. Um, and, and even with the life coaching stuff, what I realized was, you know, I do, I do a lot of um, motivational speaking. So I go and talk about kind of the two factor one journey and my own journey and stuff like that. And people always say, you know, uh, you're inspirational or, oh my God, you achieve, you've achieved so much in the last four years or how the hell do you juggle everything? You're a single parent. So I get all of these kind of comments and um, uh, what's the word, you know, a lot of praise from people. And then it makes me think, how do I do all of those things? Because I'm nothing special. So people will go, oh my God, you're so inspirational. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not really. There are thousands of women doing exactly the same as me. But why is it that you think that? And then I reflect on that and think about kind of the systems and processes that I follow to be productive, to set goals that are bigger than what I am, uh, to be more visible in the world, to stop making apologies for the way that I look. So I, so I think everything that I do is quite organic and it's often about supporting my own journey. So I think about, you know, four years ago, what would I have needed? Because, you know, four years ago I was unemployed, just become a single parent, was about to lose my home. You know, things were pretty crappy four years ago. Yeah. I transformed to where I am now, you know, it's it's still not, you know, um, rainbows and unicorns, but it's a lot better than what it was four years ago. And I think, you know, where, when I was there, what I needed was somebody to listen to me, somebody to yeah. believe in me, someone to hold me to account, somebody to give me a structure and a framework and a way of thinking about things in a new way. So I'm always thinking about what, what did I need four years ago? And I kind of yeah. use the cycle because that's what I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm always helping women that are just a little way behind me. Then, you know, it's not like they're starting from scratch um because i don't think of myself as a guru or an expert i'm a little bit ahead of every not everyone else but you get what i mean i'm just a few steps ahead yeah no, to be fair though that's kind of what most coaches and mentors are it's like we don't know everything um i certainly don't claim to have my shit together most of the time in fact some days if you see me you'd be like what because <laughs> it's real life you know it is real life but i think Sometimes when we just have a little bit more knowledge, a little bit more experience, and we've got a few more things in our toolkit, if we can start sharing that with someone who's like two or three steps behind us, yeah. that's kind of all that they often need is that catalyst for them to start stepping into their own power. Yeah, and I think, I think um, there's a lot of kind of, with, with things like Instagram and social media and, and the TV, I think we're all a little bit tired of the guru. You know, we're all a little bit tired of... All, you know positions of authority so what we're looking for are people that we can trust um, and often they're not the big celebrities they're not you know the big politicians mm -hmm. we want somebody that's on our level and actually 
in the so I started a new cohort of clients in February and I've recently just asked a few questions about why they joined and what their fears were and what was really interesting is the word trust came out in nearly every single one of their bits of feedback was that they they knew that they could trust me to look after them and I think that is perhaps what's missing um, in the world is that is this idea of people that have got your back um, and I think that's what we're looking for a lot is somebody that's going to look after us and just not make us feel any worse than what we already feel yeah definitely I know that you just kind of picking up on something you said about having a space for women to kind of feel like they're being listened to and like they're being heard like you know sometimes as you said there can be people out there who've got that network and maybe they've got a supportive partner and they've got a family and they've got great friends but actually they've got no one to open up to because there's that fear of being judged or there's that fear of well, what will people think of me or I can't possibly feel like this because I have so much to be grateful for. So just having that space where they can be their authentic, truthful, honest self and go, this is how I feel and I need to get it off my chest. And I think, I think part of the problem is the connections that we make in life are based on uh, an expectation. So, you know, we have a certain relationship with our partners, with our family, with our friends, and they know us in the context of their relationship. When you show up in a coaching program with 12 other strangers, you get to kind of construct who you are and, yeah. you know, ask the question you know what did you want to be when you was a child or what did you want to be when you was a teenager what did you want to be when you were in your you know early 20s and a lot of women in I did a, a talk um a few months ago and a woman come up to me at the end in tears and, and I said oh are you okay like what's going on and she said I can't remember the last time somebody asked me what I wanted because I'd done this session about asking them what they wanted and she was a lady in her mid-60s and that just touched a nerve that for such a long time, no one cared what she wanted. Yeah. Um, because we do, we put aside all of our own dreams and hopes. And, you know, on a practical level, we don't always have the time to do the things that we want to do because other things take priority. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes we do that because it's safe and comfortable and it's easier to look after other people than to do the things we secretly want to do. Um, so I think a lot of the time it's unpacking that and letting women be just them so not such and such as mum not such and such as partner not the teacher not the head teacher you are just you um you know I don't think there's often a space for that I don't think there is at all to be honest and I think that's all the the kind of illness and disease and ailments out there of like comparisonitis and feeling inadequate not feeling good enough and feeling that we need to push more and do more and have more and that's all coming from that place of wearing all the masks and juggling all the, you know, the things that we have to do and actually finding ourselves having become like somebody to everyone but ourselves. And then yeah. suddenly it's like, who the hell am I? Like if, if all of this disappeared tomorrow, who would I be? And that can be a really scary place for some women to actually realize. Because I have those fears too. I, you know, those fears, you know, if you strip away what I've achieved with my business over the last four years, I often say, you know, so what? So what? I did those things. Who am I aside from those things? And I think that's why I still feel uncomfortable when people say, oh my God, you're so amazing. You're so incredible. You've done all these things. And I'm like, yeah, but that's only one part of me. Yeah. And that's, that's the business side of me. And, and, you know, there are other aspects of my life that I still struggle with and still have the same fears and resistance to kind of, you know, making better. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, question I want to ask you, and I know we've kind of skirted around the topic of like body image and that. And again, I don't want to delve too much into that today because I know that we could do. You and I could talk about this for hours. However, I'm intrigued purely through the lens of curiosity that your journey as a runner, and you said yourself, kind of overweight runner, not your stereotypical sport blogger, had all these challenges. How has your relationship to yourself, particularly to your body, how has it changed over the last four years? I think um, when I first started running, it was absolutely 100% to lose weight. It was, that was, that was the, the sole reason for running. And then I realized actually that running was a way of me um, keeping well. And by that, I, yes, I'm talking physically well, but it was more about mental health. And actually running helped me stay sane um, during some quite challenging times. Um, and I also realized that running gave me a lot of the things that I was missing after having a child. So I felt very isolated when I first had my daughter. I didn't have a job. So I didn't have kind of the opportunity to be around people all the time. So, mm. you know, running club once a week helped me to feel like I was still connected in the world and that I wasn't just somebody's mum. And I realised that running, when I started doing kind of overseas trips to do half marathons, it felt like it was a valid trip away from home. Whereas if I just said, I'm just going to Berlin for the weekend, like (laughs) nobody would have, you know, volunteered to have my daughter, but because it was a work trip, it felt somehow that it was okay for me to do that. Um, So it opened up doors. It gave me opportunities to be, somebody other than just somebody's mum mm. but I think but I think in terms of body image um I'm just I'm just absolutely in awe of what my body has been able to do just despite it's you know um kind of its challenges in terms of the amount of weight that I carry um you know I did a 42 mile ultramarathon last July and I still every time I say that I feel like I'm lying about myself I feel like no, I'm just you're not I saw the pictures I saw the proof <laughs> There were people there that kind of but it's it's just this odd thing because you know when you look at my body shape and my body size it, you know just from a science point of view it's not designed to run for 24 hours straight you know so I'm I'm, I'm always in awe at how it's been able to kind of repair itself and I'm actually quite clumsy and I you know I've fallen over and done all sorts and my body seems to bounce back you know um so but I've also got a kind of new kind of respect for my body and I think because I'm approaching 40 it's my 40th birthday this this year and I think because of that I've realized that I need to start looking after my body a little bit better and I don't mean that in terms of dieting I mean you know in terms of eating foods that are beneficial to where I want to be in 10 years time you know Mm. which is nothing to do with weight but it's more to do with you know as my body gets older and you know it may not be able to repair itself as easily and just kind of being more mindful of that really absolutely so kind of focusing on that the whole wellness conversation as opposed to like the the physical appearance and longevity I mean the other thing is like I want my brain to be okay too so I you know I I want to you know in 10-20 years still be able to live a kind of really active and busy and productive life um and you know realizing that kind of some foods and actually i've given up alcohol which is an interesting thing for me um because i'm a massive well i have in the past been a massive drinker but what i realized was that alcohol wasn't really in line with where i wanted to be in the future so uh 
that's been a really interesting uh, kind of journey uh, this year. Love it. I love how you're also, you're very forward focused in the sense of where I'm wanting to be, like where I'm wanting to head to. You know, kind of not allowing any perceived obstacles or challenges right here in the moment stop you. It's kind of still looking beyond them and still taking action beyond those yeah. things as well. I think, I think very much, I mean, a big part of my coaching program is a concept that I call big, fat, stupid goals. And it is very much from that first time that I signed up for a marathon in as much as I got my marathon place and was, I still wasn't able to run for more than three or four minutes without stopping. So, so like that massive, massive leap of faith has, has been, I've always had that. So when I applied to go to university, I had no idea how I'd fund it. I'd never lived away from home. Nobody in my family had ever gone. I didn't even have anybody to ask questions about how it all worked. I just, I just get this thing where I'm like, I want that. And I know if I don't sign up for it, I won't ever do it because I need that big thing to make me start the research, to start taking action, to start getting the resources that I need. Um, I'm not really a big believer in incremental changes. I, I'm like, I'm like, let's just do this. Um, because I think even if you don't get to where you want to be, the, the fear, I mean, we have fear all the time. We have fear. So whether we fear the mundane, normal stuff or whether we fear the big stuff, the fear is still there. So I'd rather fear the big stuff um, and have kind of massive changes in my life because of the big stuff than be just kind of trapped by all of the small fears all the time. Oh, absolutely. You and I are on the same page with this. I'm like <laughs> quantum leaping all the way. I'm not doing the small upgrades. It's like, let's just do it. <laughs> let's just do it. Otherwise, you know, we'll never talk ourselves out of stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, couple, one more question before we kind of wrap up. So for anybody that's listening right now who maybe they want to get into running, maybe they've started running, maybe they're completely, you know, nodding along with you talking about, you know, your experience and all the things that you've been through. Have you got a top tip? So a top tip for a woman right now who's like, I want things to change. I don't really like my life as it is. I don't really know what to do about it though. Yeah, I think from a running perspective, absolutely sign up for a race. Like that is literally the only thing that ever motivates me to get out of the door is knowing that I've got a race in the diary. And it, I don't think it has to be as scary as a marathon because if you're starting from zero, then a 5K is scary. Um, but I think that applies to everything. So, you know, if we, we, we live in a really um, lucky, we live in lucky times. Like we are so fortunate that we live in the times that we are because anything that we desire we can go online and we can find kind of an entry point to it so if we decide we want to be um, an author we can go online and sign up to a course if we decide we want to foster children you know there, there are these pathways and routes that all we have to do is take the first step and often that first step involves handing over your credit card i mean that is that is as scary as it is it's like pressing enter on do you want to join you know, years and years ago, women were not in that position where they could make those choices in an evening. And actually, a lot of the things that I've signed up for, so I'm about to go to, um, I'm going to, where am I going to? I'm going to San Diego in May for a weekend to see my role model. And I made that decision in about a 10 minute like time slot. And it was literally a matter of going and getting my credit card. Like that was, that was as difficult as it, what it was. It was the decision to make it and putting it on a credit card, you know, and, I'm, and I guess I'm not advising to put everything on a credit card, but I guess I'm just trying to say that Absolutely. often yeah. I 
big as we think it is often yeah. it's about signing up and then kind of backtracking and going right well I've got 12 weeks or I've got a year what do I need to do in, in all of these months ahead of me to get me to the position where I can achieve the thing that I want that I've just signed up for so I think I think it's that commitment. It's having something to keep us accountable because it's all well and good writing lists, you know, and I am a big believer in kind of bucket lists and I have something called a hundred list that I get women to write. Yes, putting it on paper is part of it, but unless you action it, that list will be there to beat you over the head for as long as you live with those things of, you know, got around to doing it. Well, yeah. you wanted to, never did. You know, you have to take action. It's the action that kind of, makes it happen otherwise you just sit there with a list of stuff you'd like to do absolutely i think maybe next time you and i might need to have a conversation around fear because actually it's the fear that stops most of us from hitting the button on the i'm going to join or sign up or go to that place so yeah that might be something for next time um before we do finish though where can we find you on the world wide web <laughs> so for running stuff it's really easy to find me because if you google anything to a fat runner then my website comes up it's got brilliant seo but the website is twofattorun.co.uk for life coaching stuff it's relatively easy because my surname is uh, not that common but it's juliecrefield.com for anything to do with life coaching awesome well for anyone that's watching this video on youtube or on the soul fed woman the links for julie's web pages are below and if you're listening on itunes then go and get yourself over to those links that she's just mentioned thank you julie as always beautiful conversation and i know that you will have inspired quite a lot of people from that so thank you very much thanks for having me see you later bye <laughs> So there you go, gorgeous. Another episode brought to you by The Hungry Soul. Now, if that conversation has got you a little bit curious about your own journey right now and how perhaps you can start helping yourself to become more self-fed, but maybe you've got no idea where to start or what that might even mean for you, don't panic. We've got some fabulous gifts for you that are all completely free. All you need to do is head over to soulfedwoman.com forward slash free dash resources. And over there, there's workshops, handouts, meditations, and loads of other goodies. So go and grab as many of them as you want to. Can't wait to speak to you soon. Bye.